0: Welcome to another faith building message from Samuel Pada, pastor of the King's Temple in Hyderabad, India. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Now listen, we are, we are working our way through the topic, I will send rain. And I said last week, we started on the first part of the series said, God is my source. Or on the screen it says, God is my only source, and that's even greater, even better. God is our only source. And we said in 1 Kings chapter 17, the Bible says that the prophet Elijah came out, came forth and declared that there shall be no dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. So famine was proclaimed in the land by the prophet of God. But even during this season of famine, and it lasted for almost three to three and a half years, the Lord made sure that his servant Elijah did not go without food. He was blessed. He was provided. And besides Elijah, we also see another widow in the city of Zarephath being provided for. So we said, God is our provider no matter what situation you are right now in. Even if there is a job loss, God is your provider. Even if there is no job and you've been seeking for a job or you are between jobs and you're really beginning to worry what is going to happen, let me remind you this morning, God is your provider. Somebody say, God is my provider. Come on, God is my provider. And don't limit God through your thinking that he can provide only through employment. We don't know how he's going to provide. Amen. God has supernatural means of provision. So when you begin to thank God for him being your provider. Don't just look for your provision to arrive in a certain way. Through a certain channel. Because God has many channels that you have not even imagined or thought of. God can say, God can use anything and anybody Whatever, hallelujah. So say God is my provider. (laughs) Say it again, God is my provider. (laughs) When you say God is my provider, stop talking negative about your circumstances. Stop being negative in your mind and in your spirit about the negative situations you are surrounded by. Stop looking at those and take your focus and put it on the Lord because you say, in the midst of the famine, God will provide because he is my provider. Say amen. God is my provider. And while you're on the lookout of the job and you thought you should have got your job by now, or somebody promised a job and you even were intimated by the, uh, by the company that they would take you, but now they are gone silent on you and there is no intimation from them and there is no communication and you're beginning to worry, Am I, do I really have this job or is it ever going to come or what, do I, what happens to me? Stop worrying. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop worrying. Stop worrying. Say it again, stop worrying. Let me tell you, worry is a sin. Worry is a sin. And many, many people suffer with hypertension or high blood pressure because of worry. Stop worrying. God is concerned about us. That's why he said, cast your cares upon him. This worry is a care. Cast it on the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By worrying, you're not going to change the scenario. You're not going to change the circumstances. The only thing that will change is your health, going from good to bad. Come on now, amen? So stop worrying. Help yourself. Take your heart and put it on the Lord and not on the circumstances or situations that surround you. He is our only source and he can and will provide even during the times of famine. Say amen. Amen. Now we said, why? Because our relationship with God is a covenant-based relationship. And in the covenant-based relationship, I have a right to everything that he has. Oh, hallelujah. And my God is not poor. I don't know about your God. My God is not poor. Come on now. My God is not poor. Everything was created by him and everything was created for him. The cattle on a thousand hills belong to me. Would I ask you if I have need is what God said. God is not dependent on man. We are dependent on him. Would if I have a need for a sacrifice, would I need to ask you? No. A thousand cattle or a cattle on a thousand hills belong to me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. All the silver and the gold is mine, saith the Lord. Say amen. You cannot find anybody more richer than my God. Hallelujah. So when I have him as my father, and I have a covenant which gives me the right to depend on him, and gives me the right to lean on him, and place a demand on what he has, he, ha- he will supply. Amen. Say amen. But I said there are two very important things that we have to take note of if we want to place a demand and experience the supply. The supply is there, but how can I access the supply? Two things, instruction and obedience. Everybody say instruction and obedience. So one of the things every child of God needs to understand is we have to have our ear tuned in to receive instruction from the Lord. I will instruct thee, says the Lord. I, 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 you know, I, I am the Lord thy God will teach thee to profit. And lead you in the way that you should go. God has already prepared a way for us to go. And that way is always good. It may not look good to your natural eye. But the end result will always be the best. Say Amen. So nothing that God does is not already planned. That's why the Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. God doesn't start anything until he's finished it. Did you get what I said? God doesn't start anything until he's finished it. So he knows the exact end result. But if that should be your portion and my portion, we need to learn to trust in him and comply with his demand and say, all right, Lord, that might not have been my desire, that might not have been what my focus was, but now that you're saying that that is the path you pray prepared for me, I'm willing to be meek and walk in the way that you want me to walk. That's when you, the doors, the windows of heaven are open, and the blessings of God will flow. Say amen. Hallelujah. Never ever become bitter. Please note this. Never ever become bitter against your circumstances or against the people that will put you in those kind of inconvenient situations and harsh situations. The story that we've got to learn is the story of Joseph. He never, the brothers wanted to kill him. And yet, he never entertained bitterness in his heart. Whatever, and even Potiphar's wife, and Potiphar wanted to just, just wipe him off and put him in prison so that he would spend the rest of his time in prison. Remember something. Everybody, including your family, may forget you. Even the one that gave you birth may forget you. But God will never forget you. You are precious. You did not come and arrive on the scene by accident. You came here by purpose. God had a good reason to bring you out and bring you forth. So don't be discouraged and don't let the opinions of people and the actions of the people against you make you bitter. Always work with the help of the Holy Spirit to maintain a heart of forgiveness and love. These are powerful forces in the kingdom of God. These forces always work in your favor. Forgive and love. Somebody say that. Say it again. Forgive your father in law. Forgive your mother in law. Forgive your sister in law. I'm not getting a single amen in this house. Forgive your husband. Forgive your wife. Forgive your children, forgive your father, forgive your mother, forgive your sister, forgive especially. See, we get hurt most. The closer the person is to you, the greater the pain. The closer the person is to you, the greater the pain. And the greater the pain, the greater the challenge to forgive. Is everybody with me this morning? But if you don't learn to practice forgiveness and express the love of God toward them, you cannot qualify to be blessed. Hallelujah. Joseph rose high in life. And fulfilled and took the place that God had for him. Because of those two major characteristics. Forgiveness and love. When the brothers came, he could have acted in a very nasty way. He could have thrown them in the prison and nobody would have asked him. He would not have been questioned. But the Bible says he fell on their neck and they began. he began to cry. Hallelujah, there is love. They hurt him real bad, yet he could love him. That's why he became a candidate of God's blessing. Church, I don't know how deeply you've been hurt by people. And sometimes the scar can never be removed. Jesus has been scarred with nail prints in his hand and his feet. And pierced on the side. He forgave. And he loves. But the scars are always there to remind. But when you look at the scars. His pent up anger. There is no pent up anger to rise. Because the emotion of unforgiveness. The emotion of hatred has been dealt with. When you see those prints you say. God bless. Is everybody with me this morning? People that might have stolen precious things from you. Hurt you real bad. Maybe today you are lying low because of the hurt and because of what was taken away. And if only you had that, you could have been somewhere else. Don't worry. God knows how to put you back in that place. Come on, God knows how to put you back in that place. And the way is, not trying to get even with them, but to forgive and to love. Say amen. So he says, God will teach us and lead us. So we need to have an ear to hear the instructions of the Lord. Now, talking about instructions, we looked at a couple of, a couple of scriptures last uh, uh, week from the book of Exodus of how when they were trapped in a situation that seemed impossible, God and Moses looked up to God, God gave him instructions, say amen. Amen. Now, let me show you a couple more. Look, go over to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, please, in verses 14 through 17. Now, in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we know that a conglomerate of armies have come together, kingdoms have come together to come against the king Jehoshaphat. And the word was brought to Jehoshaphat that all these kings were gathered together to come against him. And the Bible says that Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, sorry, Jehoshaphat feared Jehoshaphat and began to seek the Lord through fasting and prayer. Now, after that prayed, let's let's go there quickly, please. Two Chronicles, verse twelve. O Lord our God, will Thou not? Judge them, for we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither knew we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. So they prayed and they're saying, Lord, our eyes are upon you. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. After they prayed, what did they do? They stood. Everybody says stood. After praying, wait, wait. Wait, God is about to communicate. Wait. And now as they stood in the presence of the Lord, look what the Lord says. Uh, the Bible says, Upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jezreel, and all that, uh, that came the spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation, and he said, "Hearken, ye all, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou, King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you: Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude; for the battle is not yours, but God's. Glory to God! Hallelujah! Shout, Amen." amen. Now that's a word of promise and encouragement. Now, this is the problem. We get a promise from the Lord and we interpret that promise that we think is the way God spoke to us. And this is where many people have hurt themselves. Somebody is waiting for their career to bloom or they're taking the first steps. And God's, he comes to church and God says, I will bless you, my son. I will take you to great heights. And the next week, he goes and applies for a visa to the U.S. And he gets the visa. He says, this is the way. That may not be the way. Because you are interpreting it that way. God never said a word about that. This is where a lot of people shoot themselves in their own feet. Now, he said, don't fear. That, and I will take care of this. Let's read it again. Let's see what the Lord is saying. Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude for the battle is not yours, but God's. Now, verse 16. Tomorrow, oh, Go eat down against them. Behold they come up by the cliff of Ziz. And you shall find them at the end of the brook. Before the wilderness of Jer- Jeruel. And you shall not need to fight in the battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still. And see the salvation of the Lord. You with God. O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not. Nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. For the Lord will be with you. Glory to Jesus. Now. We're here, there are two things. One is a prophecy. Prophecy in general is for encouragement, exhortation, and correction. General prophecy is for these three things. Prophecy without instruction is for comfort, for encouragement, for correction, and for exhortation. But prophecy with instruction is direction. And not everybody should be putting their feet into it and trying to move into that unless they're called of God because many lives have been destroyed because of directional prophecy given by every Tom, Dick, and Harry that thought that they're prophets in the house. Stop it. Unless God has called you into that office, you don't function in that role. Don't you prophesy? Yes, you'll prophesy. But directional prophecy is different. Now here, that, that, that's the different issue. that I don't want to deal with that this morning. But I'm saying, listen, while they waited on the Lord, they received what? Everybody? Say it again. Say it again. God gave them instructions as to how they need to prepare themselves and go. And I'm saying this, if we wait on the Lord long enough, and don't rush into things. God will instruct us. Because that's what he said. I will instruct you. Amen. And you know, in the life of David also, we find that in many times, in many occasions, or on many occasions, when there were situations that he had to go to battle, the first thing you would do is call the priest and say, bring the Urim and the Thummim," And said, seek the face of God. What is the Lord saying? Are you with me? Have you forgotten to say amen? Amen. What is the Lord saying? What is the Lord's will? Not do I have the strength? Am I capable? Let's look at the the size of our army and the arsenal we have. Compare it with the the company out there or the enemy and say, are we strong enough? No, he didn't care about all that. He said, yes, we got to be always prepared. Amen. We got always be prepared as a military, but when the enemy shows up, the decision is not based on anything in the natural. The decision is based on what the Lord says. And we know from history that he bought he fought 66 battles and not lost one. What a record, amen. Hallelujah. Would you not like to have that that kind of a record that you not that you did not lose even one? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So he says, seeking the Lord. You know, even when at Ziklag, when everything was stolen and burned down and, and his own people were trying to, uh, were so upset with him that they wanted to stone him and kill him. And he was terribly distressed. The Bible says the first thing he did was he encouraged himself. He encouraged himself. He didn't pray. First, he began to encourage him. One of the best ways to encourage yourself is to start singing praise songs to God. Hallelujah. Remember, count your blessings and that will encourage your heart. If you count on all the bad things that have happened, that will discourage you even further. If you focus on the negative things that have happened in your life or all the bad experiences you had and all the losses you experienced, you'll become even more discouraged. But while you're going through it, if you can take your mind off that and start thanking the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you. At that day when I was sick, you healed me. I thank you, Lord, at that day when I made a bad investment, somehow you corrected that and brought that money back to me. Lord, I thank you for the way in which you gave me wisdom to deal with the situation. Lord, I thank you. I know you are my deliverer. I know you will deliver me. I I know this situation looks impossible but I also know you you are my solution and you will get me out of this I know father out of my foolishness I did this but lord help me now because I know even in the you know even though I've made a mistake you can turn it around in my favor Jesus, we praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. So when we begin to think like that, and when we begin to focus on the good things of God, your heart begins to rise up in thanksgiving. Let me warn you something. When you're discouraged and distressed, it is very difficult to find the will of God. As I said, you want God to come in? You need to create an atmosphere. You need to create an atmosphere. Watch this. Can anybody go into the presence of a king, no matter whatever happened to him, with a sad countenance? Why not? Because it will affect the king. And so kings would not allow anybody like that to come into their presence. So whatever happened, if you were stepping into the presence of the king, you had to have a smile on your face. Come on now. That's why Nehemiah was really worried because he had been fasting and he had been praying and it was, it was, his heart was uh, a little low and he was di- you know, di- distressed about what was happening to the city of Jerusalem. And so when he came in, he was concerned about his, his uh, posture or his uh, facial expressions because he was going into the presence of the king. So when you come into the presence of the almighty God, you want to draw his attention, be happy rejoicing in the Lord. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast channel for past episodes. If you've been blessed by the message today, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. For more content from the King's Temple or to connect with us, visit kingstemple.in. Have a blessed day.